This is episode three of the Good For Something show. I'm Guido Stein, your host. And on today's episode, I sit down with John Brodkin and talk about broadband, ISPs, and all that other network internet stuff that most people don't even notice. But it's a lot of interesting interesting information to know about. Uh, John's a great guy. He does reporting for Ars Technica, and I'm thrilled to have him on the show. So here we go. Uh, first things first. Actually, why, why don't you introduce yourself? This uh, normally I don't start off this way, but because you're you are um, what's the right term I'm looking for here? Like uh, you have specific knowledge, or you are a, a master of a domain of knowledge? Not really a master of a domain of knowledge. My name is John Brodkin. I am a journalist. I write about IT and the telecom industry, mostly broadband for Ars Technica. All right, that works. And I don't know. Some tables give me some trouble. Hold on. Guido versus the table. On the next inside. Uh, all right. Would you mind moving a little closer? And let's try this. Like this angle. Oh, you have to move. Come on, baby. Come on. Come on. Good boy. All right. Let's do this. Okay. So I thought it'd be fun. Um, I thought it'd be interesting to interview you today because I th- know the type of work that you do is related around broadband and about. Um, about the internet in a way that most people don't think about the internet, which is that there are people, there are the pipes, and people own the pipes, and those people, we all pay those people to access the, the uh, their pipes as well as other pipes. Is that about right? Uh, that's absolutely <laughs> right. <laughs> and I know that you, you spend a lot of time uh, writing about this and thinking about this, so I thought it'd be fun to uh, get you on the show to talk about it a little bit. And I've picked a couple of articles here, and we'll see if you remember any of them, and uh, talk about what, what, what they mean and, and the more general context of them, because I feel like all your stories, uh, uh, it'd be interesting to go through your stories and give them all tags of, about what the bigger context or the issue is, right, that we're talking about. Yeah, you could argue they become a series when you read them all sequentially or, or over the period of time. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to start right off uh, with Netflix says it will pay tolls to more ISPs, not just Comcast, which I don't know if people understand what that means, that, that there is there are tolls that Netflix pays. Well, what happens is every company that wants to send you content, whether it's video or whatever, they have to they have to pay somebody to send the traffic out to the internet just the way you pay your ISP to get data to you or to upload it. Um, what was happening with Netflix is they had created their own gigantic network. It's called a content delivery network to deliver their data more efficiently. And they were paying some companies that are what we would probably refer to as network backbone operators, internet backbone operators. And these companies traditionally exchange traffic for free with the big ISPs like Comcast and Time Warner Cable and Verizon because it was to both of their benefits to do so. When Netflix, which actually accounts for about a third of all traffic on the North American internet, started sending all its traffic through these pipes which don't have payments connected to them, it overloaded the circuits um, and the internet service providers, the biggest ones who have the most negotiating leverage, refused to upgrade their pipes until they got payments from somebody, whether it be from Netflix or from these internet backbone operators, which most people probably haven't heard of, but they're called Level 3 and Cogent and some others. 
So eventually, in order to prevent the traffic from going over congested pipes and resulting in bad performance for people, Netflix eventually decided to pay Comcast and Time Warner Cable and AT&T and Verizon. So are these... Um these payments, is this this new fast lane people keep talking no. about? No. This is a separate toll. This is... Because now I am imagining it as a highway that we drive down in fast lane, because here in Massachusetts we have fast lane. Well, imagine it as the, the internet is a gigantic network of networks, mm-hmm. and each internet service provider, they control their own network, and so when they accept traffic into it, if they wanted to... They could speed some of it up. They could slow some of it down. They're not doing that yet. They There's an argument about whether they should be able to charge for that. But that's not what they're charging Netflix for. All they're charging Netflix for is a dedicated connection between the edge of their networks and the Netflix servers. And so what happens is Netflix traffic bypasses other congestion on the Internet and enters the network of Comcast and other ISPs without any congestion, but then over what we call the last mile of the network, which is the part of the internet service providers that you pay control, Netflix traffic is not prioritized over any other traffic. So without putting a a value of right or wrong on this, the question I have for you is, um, I pay Comcast, and I pay for for Comcast, and I pay for Netflix, and now Comcast is also asking Netflix to pay them for for access to me, even though I've already paid them. Is that basically... Yeah, that's a fair way to put it. The thing is, though, it's not as clear-cut as people think because the people have been paying... Companies like Netflix have always paid third-party content delivery networks to deliver their data, and then those companies often do pay the ISPs. So there, it's already a two-sided market in which payments are going both ways, but... What is new is actually not even that Netflix paid the companies, but that they complained about it. Google and Microsoft have, we think, been paying these companies for years, even though they don't actually say exactly how much. But Netflix is the first one to make a big deal out of it. Got it. And the the point that's probably the most valid is that Netflix has been able to, you know, they've worked with smaller internet providers to, they have free deals where they exchange traffic, where Netflix even puts video caches inside their networks, and it's it's good for both their customers. The biggest ISPs who have the most leverage, the most customers, they're the ones who have asked Netflix, Netflix for payment. So whether they're right or wrong to ask for payment, it's clear that the biggest ISPs have more leverage to ask content companies for payment for this type of connection. Because they're so big. Right. Okay, Mo- moving right along. Let's see. I've got this other article here. Uh, T-Mobile is sorry for charging greedy predatory fees. Will mostly stop. Which <laughs> I love the title. It's so funny. Um, <laughs> I, I may be getting this wrong because I think I wrote that a while ago. But I think the idea was it had to do with overage fees when you're using your cell phone and you go over whatever your two gigs a month is. Um, there are some T-Mobile plans where they don't, where they give you unlimited data, but once you hit the limit they slow you down. In other T-Mobile plans, which are more like how the other carriers work, they would, if you're paying less than you pay for those technically unlimited plans, when you hit the limit, they would charge you another $10 or $20 for another gigabyte or something. Got it. I don't know the exact amount. Okay. What T-Mobile said that they would stop doing is they would stop 
automatically charging you the overage, you would have to, you know, opt into the charge instead of just having it automatically happen to you. So to be fair, though, a lot of these types of things where it's opt-in, I mean, most of us sign the contract and say, yeah, sure, opt me into paying, charging more, but we don't actually know... No, nobody actually pays enough attention to that, or I, I, have never paid attention to that. Right. But I'm possibly signing that when I, when I get do a Oh yeah, definitely. And, you definitely and, are. Okay, I'm just wondering. If you look it up, you'll be able to find out how much you get charged when you go over. But what I thought was funny about that was that T-Mobile was criticizing Verizon, AT and T, and Sprint for continuing to charge overage fees and saying these guys are so greedy. They're, they're just screwing customers over, but. They T-Mobile was doing the exact same thing up until this day, you know. So it's that's why I felt the need to point out in in the headline that they were essentially admitting that they were charging greedy and predatory fees. Okay, so this next one actually might might be related to the Netflix one. I'm, I'm not totally sure because I feel like Netflix has its own special, being one third of the content that tra- gets transferred across any network is is a big deal right during peak viewing hours like prime time netflix is about a third of all north american internet traffic right and then uh and i think the next third is just straight porn right <laughs> probably yeah <laughs> and then facebook is the top one is the other one third all right all right moving right along uh one million comments on net neutrality most since wardrobe malfunction uh. and i guess really the question i have here is um is the FCC chairman? Is he really a dingo? <laughs> <laughs> I forget what happened there. Some what? What was the thing? Someone called him a dingo. So um, uh, it was uh, oh, it was on this week tonight, which is the oh right, John Oliver, do John Oliver show, and he did this whole he did a segment saying how boring this topic is <laughs> and how people don't realize what's going on. But if you know, if a dingo steals a baby, and he said, look. This is like having a dingo take care of your your baby. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it was. I love that the, the chairman came back and just said, "I'm not a dingo." <laughs> yeah, it's funny. He has a good personality, and and when he's in interviews. But he's. I mean, he comes out of the broadband community. He was the uh, chief lobbyist at one point for the cable industry and also for the wireless industry. He was also a venture capitalist, and he started some businesses. And now he's. In charge of regulating the, the, I mean, that's what the FCC does. Is Regulate the communications industries. Right. And, and I don't think they set policy per se, I think, because that still comes from policy. I mean, they set some policies. Yeah, they yeah. do. Right. They, uh, well, the story that you're talking about was about network neutrality, which goes back to the fast lanes you mentioned earlier, which is the idea once the, tra- once the traffic gets into the last mile of the network, should internet service riders be able to charge other companies like Netflix or YouTube or whoever, should they be able to charge for faster access to consumers? That's the debate right now. Um, the Basically, the FCC hasn't decided yet. We'll probably find out within a few months what they do. Do you really think it's going to be a few months? Hasn't this been going on for like a decade now, this conversation? Or is this... And, and, uh... Yeah, well, it has been going on for a decade. It's, it's probably been going on since, like, 2007 when Comcast blocked BitTorrent traffic. Yeah, that was an excellent, excellent event. Right, and then they eventually came to an agreement with BitTorrent, where I think BitTorrent traffic does get slowed down a bit, but not. But it, it's managed in a way that it all gets through and it doesn't interfere with other traffic. Um, but the, the short version, in 2010, FCC issued some rules which made it, difficult if not impossible for ISPs to block content or to charge for fast lanes. Um, those rules were 
thrown out of court, not because the FC can't issue them, but because they used uh, the wrong kind of authority. They were issuing what are known as common carrier or utility-style regulations, even though they've never declared internet service to be a utility. At one point, it was reclassified from utility to just an information service, which can't be regulated as strongly. So the question now is, how strong rules can they put in without classifying them as a utility, or alternatively, will they actually classify broadband as a utility? So now you bring up sort of like the complex, uh, the some of the complexities of the issue. I have to ask the next question, which is: Is there any way to explain net neutrality without having to read a very large book by Susan Crawford? Uh, yeah, sure. I mean, <laughs> the idea is your internet service provider pushing you towards certain services by allowing only the big pocketed services to be faster. Like if you're if you have a choice of two things, like one music service versus another music service, and only one of them can afford to pay the ISP for better access to you, what if the other music service is really good, but it just doesn't work as well because they can't afford to pay the ISP? Net neutrality says they all have to get equal access to you. And this goes back to my original comment of, well, I pay Comcast, and I pay for, for this service, so why would this service be any slower because Comcast has my money? Well, you pay Comcast for up to whatever they promise you. Maybe it's 25, maybe it's 50 megabits per second. But in reality, you don't have a dedicated pipe anyway. You're sharing that with other people. And By the way, it's 150 now. Oh, you have 150 megabits? I, I don't know why they give me 150, but they do. Well, that's pretty good. Do you get the full 150? I do. I, I do I've used it. Yeah. It's, it's really the full 150. However, that said... Um, after reading another one of your articles, which I didn't pull out here, I went and looked back at my my cable costs over the last <laughs> over the last year, mm-hmm. and it went from like one twenty to one ninety. Oh wow! I had the same thing happen to me actually, because <laughs> uh, and I was just like, this is ridiculous. But they also gave me hundred. They went from like thirty mega megabytes to one hundred fifty. To be honest, thirty if you got thirty megabits per second, twenty four hours a day, that would be enough for the vast majority of people. Okay. So I don't know. I don't think it's worth another seventy bucks. The thing is, they're probably. I used to have Comcast, and they kept raising my bill. I think I went from something similar from one twenty to one ninety, and but without telling me that the prices were going up. Well, again, it's that contract you sign with them that nobody. Who the hell has the time to read? It? Really, here's my, my 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 thought. Like we should all have uh, have lawyers on call. And then whenever we go to sign up for anything, apparently, any service that we sign up for, we need our lawyers to, to go over, and then they'll tell us the truth, which is, we don't have a choice. Yeah. <laughs> like, we still have to sign this paperwork that says they can do this, right? Yeah, just today I was updating my Nintendo 3DS because I had to get into the store to buy a Super Mario game. And even then, I had to update it. Then I had to accept, like, two new agreements, which, of course, <laughs> I'm not going to read. <laughs> To buy a five dollar video game, but and you know when when you set up an iPad, you're gonna you're, you have to accept something from Apple, and it, it's always something like that. And the thing is, even even if you read the whole agreement with Comcast or whatever cable company, they're not gonna tell you what they're gonna raise your their, your price to. They also have the option just to change the terms, which I always find really interesting. It's like I'm so glad I have I have an agreement that I'm not gonna read anyways, but they still have the right to change the terms of my agreement at any time. And a lot of these agreements, I don't know if Comcast does specifically, they outlaw you from 
suing them if anything goes wrong. So you have Arbitration. to go. Arbitration. Yes. Oh right? yeah. I, I I think there's something on Netflix a video some sort of um, documentary about like arbitration process. All right, final one. Comcast turns your Xfinity modem into a Wi-Fi hotspot. Which, by the way, I want to point out that you this was from June 10th, 2013. And I feel like this just became a story again. Like, suddenly people just realized this. Yeah, it's sort of like somebody notices it once in a while, and then they contact their local newspaper, and then it becomes a story again. And, uh, and then occasionally my editor will be like, hey, did we write about this? I'm like, yeah, we wrote about it in June 2013. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, well, the idea there is that... Um, when Comcast gives you a modem and router, they say, well, you, you get to set up one network for yourself, and then there's a second network. It's like Xfinity, Wi-Fi, or something. That becomes part of the nationwide Comcast Xfinity network. And so anyone who has a Comcast account can log into it and use the internet when they're outside your house. Um, you know, you can turn it off, but it's it's enabled by default as far so as I remember. When somebody else uses the network to reach through to Comcast, the Wi Fi router, mm-hmm. does the does the owner of that or the person who pays for that service, do they get a, a credit of some sort? Like No. This isn't like charging like when you when you make your own electricity you can charge back to the electricity. Right? <laughs> no, you don't. I mean it's it's probably not it's the kind of thing that most people don't notice because it's they claim that there's separate bandwidth for it. I don't know how true that is because the way networks work, you're always in a sense sharing bandwidth with other homes around you. So if everyone else is using it, you're not going to get your full 50 megabits or whatever. So they claim, you know, it, during optimal conditions, you're not going to notice the bandwidth being used because it's separate from your pipe in a sense, and it's you probably won't get raided by the police if someone downloads porn on it or because it's you know it's it's probably a different I, it must be a different ip address and it's not your own network i hadn't even thought about the porn angle but yeah i guess that could be an issue right okay so i want to say uh, i quickly looked uh at the end of that article it said other articles you might like which included one from you on february 5th 2014 which was titled Comcast customer surprise to learn new router is also a hotspot. <laughs> yeah, see, that was one of the times. It's the same exact story, but it it's just the kind of thing that, you know, customers are surprised by it, and then they contacted the press, and it was just a good, you know, reminder that this is happening and that you can turn it off if you want. All right, all right, sounds good. All right, so... Um, what what what's your dream for the work that you do? Like, what do you do? You like writing about this this stuff? And you know, what what's your hope for the work that you do? Not necessarily what happens in the industry. The industry, I realize that's you you're you're you're, uh, you're not a fortune teller. Right. No, the work I do is awesome. I get to sit in my living room and write about really interesting stuff. You know, I don't. I don't have to write about stuff I'm not interested in because my bosses just sort of trust me to find what I'm interested in and what's important. I kind of couldn't really improve my job, but I would like to win the lottery and stop working. But other than that, I, I wouldn't really change much. If you did win the lottery and stop working, would you then um, start your own ISP? <laughs> no, no. Would it be like the Broadkin? Uh... I would probably still write about the broadband industry. I just wouldn't 
instead of waking up at nine in the morning, I'd probably wake up at like noon or something. <laughs> Just a few less articles per week. Right, exactly. <laughs> All right, man. Thanks so much for your time. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks. I hope I hit the record button. Thanks again to John for letting me interview him. And I hope that was good for something for the rest of you folks. Anyhow, I am working on the format for this show. And I hope that you guys like that I've broken it out so that there will be interview shows. And then there will be shows with, uh, you know, current events and co-hosts. Thanks again for listening. And I hope uh, you had your fill of food, fun, and family this week. And I will talk to you later.